It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What do you do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 728 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, June the 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can also find the show on Twitter at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out all the great stuff across the Locked On Podcast Network, which today is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at RockAuto.com. More on them a little bit later on. All right. On today's show, we continue the tradition that uh, we follow up episodes of the audiobook readings of We the Champs that I've put together over the last couple months here with a full breakdown of the series that took place. And, you know, these have been fun kind of going back, not just looking at sort of the results, but also just kind of revisiting our feelings as, boy, did the NBA playoffs last season pack a lot of feelings and emotions into a two month span. And so joining me today for the final one of these title run in review episodes is our friend from the Dishes and Dimes podcast uh, and the brand new Neon Playbook site, which is excellent that you should definitely check out. It is our friend Yasmin at Carmelo Drama on Twitter here to talk about Raptors Warriors in the finals. Yasmin, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. Really happy to have you and excited to dive into this series, which as I was going back and putting together these audiobook episodes, was just taken aback by how much just like content wise was in these was in this series. Um, you know, the on court product was great and there are some really compelling games. But just like all the off-court stuff with Kevin Durant and the injuries and just the Toronto scene being so pandemonic all the time, it was it was really fun and just like a lot to take in. So I'm glad I kind of got a chance this week to go reflect on, you know, game by game, everything that was going down because you forget so much. Um, Yasmin, I guess we should start with just sort of going into the series and your feelings as the, the finals were creeping up. I think there was like a three or four day layoff between game six against Milwaukee and game one of the finals. And, uh, you know, obviously Kevin Durant was sort of the thing hanging over the entire thing. And he seemed like this time bomb that was waiting to go off to ruin the Raptors chances of winning. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what was your sort of mindset going in? Were you sort of of the mindset that, oh, this is just gravy, and if the Raptors lose, it's fine, they made it to the finals, and that's great, everything was worth it? Or were you allowing yourself to kind of believe that they had a chance to win it? And if so, when did that belief kind of really, like, really kick in? 
Um, yeah, uh, prior to going into the season, uh, into the series, sorry, uh, I was listening to a few podcasts um, who were covering it. And it, it it's clear, like, I'm talking about, like, the wider NBA podcast. It's clear who uh, actually watched the Raptors or not. Mm-hmm. Because, like, heading into it, I was completely confident because I felt as though they went through, like, a real gauntlet with, um, the Sixers and the Bucks. I did not expect them to come out of the Bucks series at all. So um, to see that, like I was completely confident heading into the um, finals because you were dealing with a, a Warrior squad who was dealing with their own injuries. Um, people were looking at um, the matchup with Portland as proof that you know um, the Raptors didn't stand a chance because it was a very convincing um, four-game sweep, but. Um, honestly, like I was confident um, seeing them head into the finals, and I, I honestly didn't think that this was enough because I saw like a window of opportunity that they may not get again in the future. That's a good point. I, I was sort of, I think, on more of the skeptical side or just sort of the content side, where you know the Buck series was such a triumphant win, and yeah. the Warriors, like I, I, you know, I don't know when I expected Kevin Durant to come back, but it felt like the reporting at the time was like, yeah, Game Three, Game Four is probably the latest he's going to come back. And with that in mind, I just kind of assumed, all right, like the Raptors might get a couple early on, but they're probably screwed if KD ever comes back. Yeah. And so I was kind of, you know, talking myself into you know, kind of being at peace with them losing. I also, you know, there's probably, I should note, like the whole element of like two days before the finals, Alex and I get commissioned for the book and we don't get paid the same amount of money if the thing doesn't go through. And so I'm sitting there like <laughs> trying not to jinx it either. <laughs> I'm like, I hope this book wasn't all for naught. And it's just like some, uh, you know, like the t-shirts for the losing team that don't end up ever getting used. It would be, um, <laughs> it would be we the almost champs. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, we the second or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, we the Eastern Conference chance. Yeah, um, but like I was fine with that, and I, I was like kind of at peace with, hey, you know, everything that they did, the trade for Kawhi, the trade for Gasol, all of it was worth it just to get here, and so I was a little bit more okay with it. But obviously, as the series goes along, you get a little bit more belief and buy-in, and I mean, Game One in particular. That's where I was like, oh, no, this could actually happen and began to sort of get fully invested once again. I mean, not, not that I wasn't invested before the finals, but I, I just it, it kind of reignited the, that life and death kind of feeling. And yeah, I don't know. So game one, they win uh, 118-109. It starts mm-hmm. off with like Marcus Gasol banging every three in the first quarter. Um, Kawhi kind of struggles early on, if I recall. He kind of has issues with like the the swarming defense the Warriors throw at him. Yeah, and then obviously Pascal has his ridiculous second half where he I think hits eleven straight shots or, or ten of yeah. eleven shots. What are your sort of memories of Game One? Where were you, and sort of how did you take that all in? Um, I was watching Game One at home, and um, I was kind of worried about um, the team's. Um, demeanor mm. or their confidence level heading into a finals because I remember like seeing the um before the game had even begun there was a lot of footage of just players warming up and it, it was it's a different like it's a different atmosphere you see the finals logo on the court you see like um the um patch on the jerseys like it's intense you see the different cameras that are like hanging above the um court on a string mm-hmm. kind of like zip lining back and forth <laughs> to get different angles like the, the even the angles that they film in the finals are different so i was worried about um whether they'd be a little bit shell-shocked but they carried themselves like i w- the one thing i was most surprised by was how confidently they carried themselves like there was almost like a 
a swagger to them. Like they kind of knew who they were. Um, they knew that they stood a great chance. Um, and they uh, played that way. Like I think that um, the one thing that the Warriors have over the rest of the team is that they dominated an era. They carry themselves with um, a next level confidence that oftentimes intimidates their um, uh, opposers. So um, I, w- I was really pleased with that. And just seeing like Pascal in his first finals, um, his finals debut being so dominant mm-hmm. on national television and kind of just stamping a name for himself because a lot of people like they're, even though he's, his season has been kind of just of growing pains even though he's been a pleasant surprise a lot of people remember pascal like oh yeah i remember watching him in the finals so to see him um kind of um write that for himself um was really awesome yeah it was super cool and uh, like unexpected but also maybe totally expected considering he just spent the previous three rounds getting defended by uh like literal monsters in jonathan isaac yeah. <laughs> and Embiid and Giannis, and then he gets to like Dr- little draymond green at six foot six and like he just seems yeah. like whoa I-, I can see over the guy who's defending me now this is unbelievable and yeah, if, you, if you give pascal like a height advantage he's fine yeah it's yeah very amusing totally <laughs> like as soon as the person is just a half inch taller than him problems arise but as soon as uh, like he saw draymond green who's an excellent defender he had the height advantage and that's all he needed to just be layups right over him yeah totally so a couple things really sort of gave me uh like a sense of peacefulness as the series started one was what you said like the way they came out and just didn't seem scared at all and you know i think you could kind of see that through the lens of marcus Gasol, who at times earlier in the playoffs whenever things were a little bit dicey he would you know pass up threes and be a little bit tentative and then in game one he was just like nope i'm gonna shoot five threes or whatever it was in the first quarter and that was a good sign and the other thing too was danny green uh hitting a shot at all <laughs> yeah like the just the audience went insane oh, i actually yeah. remember that shot yeah like i think it was pascal had like a fast break and um uh, uh danny went out to the corner like he knew it and and the audience like i implore people who are listening to check that footage of danny green's <laughs> first shot and the, the audience audibly gasped yeah like there was a, everyone held in air when it went up and then when it went in like the room just erupted and that was so like it was such a positive sign too because he is like such a notoriously streaky shooter too and like after having been so cold for the previous two rounds for him to have that go in early it was like oh yeah he's fine now he's danny green again and you know he was mostly danny green again we'll get into some not so good danny green moments later on when we get to game six but uh we'll uh (laughs) we'll save that for later in the podcast we are going to continue on here in just a second but first i want to tell everybody about rock auto I am a car moron. I have no idea how cars work. I have to go to the mechanic just for like small things because I don't know how to fix anything myself. And I especially have problems when I need to get a car part that I have no idea where to even start. But rockauto.com is now the place that I start. It is a family business serving auto parts customers <coughs> online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even small things like new carpets or gas caps. Whether it's your, for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need with a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. In fact, most mechanics and auto body shops use their catalog to source parts, except they charge you about twice as much. 
Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and same for the there are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, so game one ends, they go up one nothing. Uh, you know, Draymond kind of speaks ominously in between games like, oh yeah, they, we, we let him score, we let Pascal score, that's not going to happen again. And then game two comes along, and uh, it didn't really happen again. And the Warriors defended their asses off. And yeah. the Raptors lose, I think it's 109-104 in the first of a collection of extremely weird games in this finals. Uh, this is yeah. the one where I think Clay goes out early in the fourth or late in the third, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we see DeMarcus Cousins get some run. He has 11 and 10 with six assists as they kind of start running Steph off ball a whole bunch in the second half. And they think they score 18 straight points to start the second half. And the Raptors, you know, they kind of avoided one of those Warriors-like runs through a game and a half. And then that came and it was just like, oh, yeah, no, this should have been very much expected. Because if you didn't think Mm -hmm. the Warriors were going to do some Warrior shit on you, uh, then you're probably not paying attention for the last five years. What were your sort of impressions of game two? As you know, th- th- there were a few things in this one. Obviously, like I said, the the third quarter run, the Raptors go on their own run in the fourth with the box and one. Uh, there's just a lot to digest in this one. What were your yeah. sort of lingering thoughts from it? Um, I for, that was the game where um they had like a huge scoring drought in I think it was the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like the Warriors got 18 points on them or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's I think that's when um the Warriors experience really just shone through. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I wasn't worried after that game because I thought I saw a lot of problems that were completely avoidable um, with the Raptors. They were missing open threes. They were settling a lot. Um, and they actually gave themselves a chance at the end there, even though it looked like all hope was lost. Um, Nick Nurse was able to be really inventive and just um, bring out that box in one. Um, which got a lot of press after it. <laughs> um, he he was not afraid to look kind of silly to people because he gave his team a shot. So it was really cool seeing that, seeing um, Fred Van Vliet take on that assignment yeah. um, and really establish himself as one of the best um, point guard defenders uh, in the NBA. Like I, I really didn't even have, I knew he was a, a positive defender. He was a great team defender, a great individual defender. Um, but I didn't really know that he had that in him to take on a defensive assignment like Steph Curry um, and not be in the least bit intimidating. He's not afraid to be annoying. Um, he was chasing him down. And Steph is one of the most um, – he, he has a really high mileage throughout the game. Like he's always running. Um, and uh, Freddie wasn't showing any signs of slowing down. So I think that game – it, it was uh, upsetting because I wanted them to win as fast as possible because I was worried to, uh, Kevin Durant would come back. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I thought um, some good things came out of it because I feel like 
um, after the second game, we rarely saw um, Kyle defend uh, Steph. Mm-hmm. I think they re- they realized what they had in Fred. Um, and yeah. Yeah, there, that was really one of those, like, you know how a lot of the time, like, the defensive team awards are kind of based on reputation and whatnot? Like, that was one of yeah. those moments where, like, Fred <clears throat> will forever be considered for all defense because of the reputation built in those few games, starting with game two. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm with you. Like, I was discouraged that they lost because of the, the Durant thing looming over it all. And it was like, oh, no, they lose one of their chances to get a, get a game without Durant. But also, I was like really encouraged by the fact that they withstood an insane Warriors run in the third, the eighteen points mm-hmm. you mentioned, and then like turned it on them, uh, like turned on the Warriors themselves and went on their own run through that crazy defense, and then almost won it at the end when they, you know, instead of calling or going for the foul and trying to lengthen the game up, they just tried to go for the steal. Obviously, it comes to Iguodala late and he hits that three, but. Um, you know that was kudos to him. Yeah, actually. I mean totally. That was an amazing <laughs> moment for him. Like I'm always happy when an older player has like a moment. Yeah. Um, and he like shone through because he he was not he's not a good shooter, especially at this age. Um, his legs have been really going like in terms of his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see him come through when the team really needed that three, uh, and the Raptors left him like they disrespected him. No one was even running to contest <laughs> that. Uh, and he got it in and he had his moment yeah. like he was he was letting them know like i did that yeah that was uh, you know and obviously like walking off the court steph tells doris burke like it was super disrespectful of the raptors to leave Iguodala. and then i love i'm not denying that yeah and then i loved <laughs> nurse's response where he's just like i mean it almost worked <laughs> i don't know what you want <laughs> yes <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, i remember that yeah um, Nick had a lot of gems throughout the fight. Oh, he was great. Yeah, he he just did not give a shit about any of like yeah. the critique of his uh, his coaching style whatsoever. All right, Yasmin. So we move on to game three, which is sort of the the least compelling game of this series because, of course, you know, in addition to Kevin Durant being unavailable, this is also where Clay Thompson is hurt. I think Kevon Looney misses this game as well for the Warriors, uh-huh. and they're just extremely <laughs> shorthanded. It requires Steph going off for a playoff career-high 47 points to keep them close, but the Raptors pull it out in the end. Um, what were your thoughts on this game? Were you scared of this being like a classic, oh, the Raptors should definitely win this game, so they lose this game type of situation? Uh, <laughs> what were your feelings going into this one at Oracle? No, I, I knew they were going to win because um, someone like uh, Clay Thompson missing um, just kind of ruins their dynamic. Mm. Um, I feel like they, they um, benefit a lot from the dual gravity that's like always on the court. Um, because, you know, the, when you have two of, you know, among the greatest shooters of all time, um, you can't put your full attention on Steph because Clay will absolutely go off for 30 plus. Mm-hmm. So, um, when he wasn't there, I was confident that they would handle this. Um, it was a great game. I feel like from, um, Kyle and, uh, Freddie as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they just kind of let Steph tire himself out. They, I, I, remember often seeing Kyle on um, Steph for that game. Mm-hmm. So I kind of saw that they're not gonna um, they're not gonna change anything up too much. They're just gonna um, play the game and um, that's what they did. It, I think that's the game that um, Kyle and Danny had like five threes a piece or something. like it was something crazy. Yeah. Um, um, looking at the box score here, the starters were just or seven threes. I think Kyle had seven threes. He, had, he was five of nine in this one. Danny was six of ten. Oh, okay. um, they overall they were seventeen of thirty eight. I think they set actually uh, a finals road team record for threes in a game in this one. 
Yeah, yeah. everyone's letting it fly that Yeah, game. and the starters, so you had Kyle with 23 with 9 assists, uh, Pascal with 18, 9, and 6, Kawhi with 37 and 6, uh, Danny with 18 with 5 boards and an assist, and then Mar- Gasol with 17, 7 boards, 4 assists. Like, the starters were just incredible in this game. Mm-hmm. Everyone shot better than 50%. Um, just was, like, a very low amount of resistance, I think, from the Warriors. And, like, not to be, you know, they can't be blamed for that necessarily. They're missing exactly, their best yeah. rim protector and Clay Thompson. And so I'm not totally surprised they didn't really stand a chance in this one. But it was uh, as as finals games go, this was about as stress-free as you could possibly ask for a game yeah, to be, yeah. which is uh, considering the playoff run the Raptors had had, it was really nice to have one of those, those just like gimme, like three-foot putts that they could just knock in and move on. We are going to continue this conversation in just a second, but first I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 <coughs> chocolate nut free flavors as well, with a bunch of limited edition flavors they drop all the time. Bars are covered in 100% dark chocolate, and then they're soft and easy to chew, kind of like a Mars bar if you're looking for a comparison in terms of consistency. But Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging Indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And uh, mm-hmm. you have some wonderful flavor options as well. Peanut butter brownie is a great one. Mint brownie is awesome. My favorite ones are the banana flavors. There's a banana nut bread and a banana chocolate cream that both kick a whole lot of ass. And so I highly recommend you check them out. And right mm-hmm. now at Built Bar, all week long, it's 50% off everything. I believe if you buy four boxes, you're going to get 50% off. So basically, two boxes for the price of four, or four boxes for the price of two. I have, my math is bad. Uh, Please make sure show sure, that. Ah. Please make sure you go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You're also going to get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And I should note that all proceeds this month will be donated to Black Lives Matter-related charities, which is great of Built Bar as well. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, and then we move on to game four, which <clears throat> like, is secretly maybe my favorite game of the series. I was just about to say yeah. that. That was definitely <laughs> my favorite game of the series. Yeah. It had enough drama mm-hmm. to keep me on the edge of my seat. Uh, and it was really competitive. I think it was like the best basketball in the finals from that year. Yeah, it was it was really, really good. Um, so Clay comes back for this game, I believe. And they're still missing KD. But yeah, Clay's back. They start Cousins with Curry, uh, Iguodala, and Green. So you have pretty much the full lineup. No Looney, I don't think. But, um, you know, that that's, that's fine. Uh, and, and so... 
this one was I remember vividly because this was the last three games of the finals. I started going uh, to my old local bar from when I lived in Toronto and going to watch there with a bunch of friends. And so it was like a whole ordeal to get there from Hamilton. Uh, we were like taking the train in and walking up to the to the bar and we had to be there like three hours early to get a seat because uh, mm-hmm. the bar was like tiny and there was just no space to watch anything anywhere in the city. And just the raw like glee when the the third quarter comes in in this game and Kawhi and Serge Ibaka start destroying the Warriors just what a game from Serge, oh yeah. man yeah yeah he's 20 with four boards he has two blocks he had six blocks in game three um and yeah. so you know continuing a great finals for him and yeah he was 9 to 12 from the field and then you have Kawhi going off for his finals high with 36 with 12 boards uh what were your memories of this game exactly what went into it to make it your favorite game of the finals um, I think the the first half, I think it was the first, yeah, it was the first half. The first half pe- seemed like a loss. Like, it was kind of hopeless. They seemed a little low on energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they Nothing was going in. You could see guys were getting distracted, uh, discouraged, sorry. Um, Kyle was missing shots. Um, Fred was missing shots. Uh, Pascal was missing shots. Uh, and Kawhi kind of kept him in it. Uh, it wasn't like an all-is-lost 20-point deficit. Uh, because Kawhi was the only one able to score. And then the second half came in um, and hit those back-to-back threes. I think it was in... Whose face? I think it was in Draymond Green's Mm -hmm. face. Like, straight out of the um, halftime. And then that's, like, kind of... I think it reignited the team. Yeah. uh, Because it was just, like... They were slicing up the Warriors after that. Especially Kyle. Like, that fourth quarter... Um, I feel like it was his best, like, of course, there's that uh, first few minutes of game six, Mm -hmm. but that fourth quarter in game four, where he was just um, dissecting the Warriors defense and finding um, Serge a couple times in a row was like amazing. I I suggest everyone look at the fourth quarter of game four to see Kyle's value because that was a great game for him. Yeah, definitely. It seemed like right around this time, and this carries over into game five as well, that Kyle starts to figure out that, uh, oh, DeMarcus Cousins is bad at defense. And if they're going to have him like come up high in the pick and roll, I'm just going to put him on skates. And it worked to great effect. (laughs) And yeah, this was just so satisfying to see you know, that first half where I think that, yeah, they're down 46-42 after the first half, like an insanely close defensive battle. They barely survived that first quarter. 14 of Kawhi's points come in the first as, like, the whole offense is not really working and he's just kind of saving it himself. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, to see everything kind of come together in that second half just was beautiful. And it was one of those games where it was a, a big enough sort of spread that you weren't sitting there tense, tense the entire time. It was more celebratory yeah. for the last six minutes as opposed to yeah. sort of being on the edge of your seat, um, which was awesome. A wonderful game. Like, where would this rank for you in terms of like all of the games of the playoffs? Is it like top three for you? Like, there are so many good ones, obviously, but where do you think yeah. it slots in? Um, I'd say... Probably top three. My number one favorite game from the whole playoff run was game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, same. I feel like that was just like, it was almost like a like a, a really cheesy basketball movie. <laughs> <laughs> like in terms of how like cinematic, I'm like, is this real life? Like every time something would happen, it would just be like with the utmost drama, which I absolutely love. Um, so that would be my number one. I think number two uh, would be game one. 
versus the Sixers, and then number three would be Game Four versus the Warriors. Yeah, those are my t- my top three um, series. Like I, I I just love when um, the Raptors play like really really clean offense. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know something about it just looks it's very dynamic, and it's almost like like an orchestra. Like everyone is involved. It's not ISO ball where it's one player dominating. Like there's always someone involved in um, orchestrating the play, and it's really fun to see. I think it's the reason why I love watching the Warriors so much too, mm-hmm. um, because this is their style. I feel like the Raptors do it to a lesser degree, but they have like that same spark. So when they're rolling, it's like beautiful to watch. Yeah, kind of like the exact opposite of I'm thinking Game Four against the Sixers, where the entire fourth quarter was all right, Kawhi, run a high pick and roll and see if you can score. Yeah, uh- <laughs> yeah it's very unwatchable when that yeah. happens. Um, and then I think that was the difference between game one of that series where everyone was involved. Um, but yeah, I think game four, it gave me, it, it showed me like, that's like Raptors basketball to me. When yeah. I think about um, the Raptors, how they play that dynamic kind of offense where everybody has a role, no matter how small. Um, and I feel like it just kind of embodied that. Totally. It was uh, a wonderful, wonderful game. All right, so the conversation between me and Yasmin went very long, almost an hour. So instead of running this out in one long episode, I'm going to turn this into two episodes. And I think that's fair because games five and six have so much packed into them, they feel almost worthy of their own episode anyway. So that's what you'll hear on Wednesday on the podcast. We will come back. We will drop in the game four and five and also sort of the aftermath talk with myself and Yasmin. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the first part of the podcast as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. In. Much appreciated. Big thanks to Yasmin for coming on. Be sure to follow her at Carmelo Drama on Twitter. And please go check out the neonplaybook.com, her new basketball and culture journal. It kicks ass. It's so, so good. Yasmin is one of the most creative and sort of balanced writers I've ever come across. Just a great sort of ability to blend cultural, sort of big, high minded topics along with just sort of excellent breakdowns of basketball it's really wonderful to read so please go check out the neon playbook right away as soon as you're done listening to this podcast get on there um that's gonna do it for today thank you so much for tuning in thanks to built bar and rock auto for sponsoring the podcast and we'll be back on wednesday as we complete our conversation our title run in review episode for the nba finals last year and we'll be dropping that episode of course on the one year anniversary of the championship parade which seems pretty fitting to me Thank you so much for tuning in. Now go tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Blue Jays, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.